Great to be here this morning and uh, it's a great pleasure to be able to, to be able to stand up here and share. Um, I think it's a, it's a real honour to be able to do that in this place because um, I've just seen, you know, how, how mum and dad have built this, built this place. I don't let just anyone come up here and share um, because what comes out of this place, I really believe, is going to be uh, words that we're going to be able to build this city by. Um, so I really, I, I really class it to be an honour to be, up, be able to share here. And, um, mum and mum's here, but dad's down sharing in, uh, in Melbourne at Pastor Shay's church for those who are, there you go, 11-11, the, the bells are going off. How's that? Um, Dad's been sharing about uh, the generational blessing of a well-ordered house um, over the last few months, um, and it's going to be—it'll uh, be like a broken record this year. We'll be—we'll be hearing it uh, every week, and I really believe this is a real key um, because not only just in our na- in our in our own lives, but. In our nation, it's like the house is total chaos. The, um, the priorities are all over the place. Uh, the people are all over the place. Uh, you see men are just glorifying themselves. Uh, God's not even in the picture. Um, so I just really believe that it's up to us as the church to reset those priorities. Um, the church is called to be like a city on a hill. Amen. And so that's you and I. That's not this building, but that is you and I. So in order for us to be able to be that city on a, on a hill, we have to prioritise God's Word. We have to prioritise His presence. We have to prioritise His power. Amen. So uh, I'm just going to share quickly. Uh, as Jules said, we've got 10 minutes each, so it's going uh, to be fast, uh, but it's going to be good. Amen. So I'm just going to quickly going to pray, then we're going to get into it. Lord God, I just thank You for what You're doing in this place. Lord God, I just thank You for this message, Lord God, of the generational blessing of a well-ordered house. Lord God, I thank You that You're calling this church, Lord God, to be a voice to the nation. Lord God, but I thank You that You're calling each one of us, Lord God, to begin to step into uh, the place that You've called us to be in, Lord God. And I just thank You that we're going to be known as a church, Lord God, and families, Lord God, that set their house according to Your priorities. Lord God, I thank You that this morning, Lord God, that this Word, Lord God, would touch those, Lord God, and it would, it would go on, Lord God, and it would be able to change the atmosphere. Lord God, I just thank You for what You're doing in this place, and we invite Your presence here this morning. Amen. So uh, Dad, Dad spoke about a few different things throughout his message, but the one that really stood out to me was uh, his point about priorities. Um, so Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I just really believe we've been hearing and hearing and hearing what the times we're coming into, uncertain times, the days where men are glorifying themselves, where they're, they're putting themselves on a pedestal and God is not in the nation. But I tell you this, God is in control. He's in control as long as we're responding to the circumstances that we face, we're responding to the Word that's coming through the house. I tell you what, God's got a master plan. But we must build according to His priorities, amen? So when we set the kingdom first 
each day things will begin to flow right. The Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. We must uphold these in our own lives. You've seen in the nation of Australia, we have deprioritised His Kingdom. Amen, you see that? But in the house, in the church, it's so, it's crucial that we prioritise His Kingdom, His priorities, amen? The church must have its priorities set right going ahead into these days. If I'm to give an example, my, my job, I work out at the RAF base um, and my job, who knows the roulettes? They fly around and do, so no one. <laughs> Jeez, okay, a few hands. So they're the aerobatic team. Uh, they fly around information, they do all the cool stuff at all the air shows. So my job is to, is to schedule the, uh, the next pilots to be those and all the pilots that go out and they go fly the big hercs and all these bits and pieces. So every, every year I get, I get course after course after course come through and their, their job is to learn how to fly these planes so they can go off and do, be posted to wherever, wherever they're posted to. But when they come, there's also another guy that does his own courses. And so me and him can often battle because we've only got 30 aeroplanes. So we're always like, no, I want to use that aeroplane. Mine's more important. Mine's more important. <laughs> we're always fighting and, you know, we get along, but we're always fighting over who can get the courses through the fastest because it makes us look good to the boss. <laughs> but I have my own priorities. Yeah. And so each week, the officer in command, he's the boss of the base, he, he calls me up and he said, right, these are my, my priorities. You program, the, you schedule the flights according to these priorities. And if I don't do that, the place turns into total chaos. So in this case, the officer in command, he's the boss. And I have my own priorities and my mate Matt who programs, he has his own priorities. And if we don't, you know, schedule these assets in according according with these priorities, the place turns into total chaos. So our lives can be like that. God has a plan. He has priorities that He wants us to to set in our lives, but we can deprioritise His priorities. And when we do that, we may think it's great. We may think it's a good idea. It may seem great in our heads. People actually may say, yeah, that's great, but it may not be what God wants. You know, so I encourage you, in this season we're going into, where it's uncertain the times we're going into, God has a master plan. He's the only one that knows the master plan. And in order for us to fulfil that plan, we must set our priorities right. So a few basic things. Jeez, I've got not much time left already. <laughs> a few basic points that, we, uh, that I'd just like to re-stamp here um, are His priorities. So number one, we must prioritise His Word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I reckon that is just a blueprint for us to go by. We need the Word of God. Right, that is living. It's a living word. It understands the times we're going into. It, it understands the time we've been in, into, and it's like a, it's it's a blueprint for us to live by. 
But when we read His Word, we digest His Word regularly, His priorities become stamped into our DNA. His priorities become our priorities. Amen? So the Word of God keeps us aligned. It's so easy to, to be taken off, off track in the times because there's so many false prophets. There's so many things that you can let attach to your life, to your heart, to your mind. You know, there's so much stuff being thrown at you in, on social media and on the news and this and that. It can be so easy to be dragged into it because it's so real. But the Word of God keeps us aligned. It is discerning. It's the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, so when you're going through times where you're feeling hurt or you're feeling dragged around by emotion or circumstances or, or you know, you've been hurt by friends or families or relationships, whatever, it's so important not to detach but to throw yourself into the Word of God, amen? It points us in the right direction. Whenever I've been confused about a direction and I've read the Bible, I've never been led astray. It always brings me back. It is easy to become deceived when we, our lives are not rooted in His Word. Things planted by the enemy can sneak past the keeper and take root in our lives. We must build our foundations according to the priorities that God has set, not our own. Number two. We must prioritise His presence. When we spend time in His presence, we are dwelling with Him. This is made available by the Holy Spirit. This is a crucial thing to set as a priority in our lives. When we dwell with Him, we become aware of Him. We become aware of His presence, His priorities. We begin to hear and understand His Word. Spending time in His Word and His presence go hand in hand. When I spend time in the Word and I'm lifting His Name up, it's like a river begins to run. We become tuned into His frequency and His priorities. We must prioritise His presence, amen? When we do not prioritise His presence, we can become religious with His Word. We can rationalise what we hear what we read. His presence is a place where we can share intimacy with Him, but we understand His priorities. We are drawn closer and closer into a place of intimacy with Him. I know for me, I want to prioritise His presence and His Word because it's what gives me life. You know, it's like whatever I face, whatever's thrown, information's thrown at me, when I'm invested in His Word and His presence, it's like, it's like I know exactly whatever the Word is, I know what God's saying and I know what the truth is because the Word of God is truth. Amen. Psalm 16.11 says, You make known to me the, prior, the, the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. When we're... Anchored in His presence and in His Word, it's like it becomes a place where the paths of life are revealed. Amen. I know that I build my life off this, off the message that's coming in, in through the house. I test it against this, but this is the thing that gives me 
the path of life. Amen. Is this good? I know I'm going fast, but I'm trying to get this all in in the 10 minutes. Exodus chapter 33, verse 14 says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Are you not rested? Maybe you need to be found in His presence more often. That is an incredible thing to be able to carry, to be able to access His presence wherever we go. You don't have to just have it when you come to church that that's the place where you dwell in His presence. You know, often I'll, I'll be sitting at, on, the, at the, on the couch and I'll put on some worship and His presence is there. Or I'll just pray, Lord God, bring Your presence. And He begins to speak. Yeah. Amen. So it's an incredible tool to be able to build your life on when you can spend time in His presence. Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. His presence is accessible wherever we go. And it must be a priority for us to carry with us, amen, to access it. Whenever I am talking to someone or a situation, I'm always asking God, what are you doing here? Speak to me about this person. Is this true? I know I need to be discerning. You know, I help people through certain situations throughout the week. I, I mentor, you know, kids and I with those responsibilities, I need to carry His priorities because it's not just about me then, amen? The last one, I'll run through this pretty quick. We must prioritise His people. Matthew eighteen twenty tells us that there, where two or more are gathered, there am I. When we come together in His name, he dwells amongst us. You know, I know for me, in times of testing and trial, I always spend time in His Word. I always spend time in His presence. But often when I, I put myself in those relationships and around those people that God's put in my life, the revelation that comes is just unfathomable because it's, you know, I can, I can be seeking God, but often He'll give others you know, steps, you know, or bits and pieces that are to be added to the puzzle. When in Romans, Paul's, Paul's speaking in chapter 1, verse 11, says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So it's like he's saying, you know, I wanna, I wanna come and I wanna be able to share with you what I've learnt, but I also need to share with you by faith because we're both believers. We're both followers. And you know, God has given us this design. He's placed people in our lives. You know, for me, He's given me my wife, you know, and she is someone that keeps me anchored, you know, but there's also relationships that God has put around each and every one of us. It doesn't need to be that. You may have that, but there's, there's best friends. There's, you know, I've had Julian and Simon and, you know, and Corey and, you know, Uncle Michael and people throughout my life that I've anchored myself and I've listened when they speak. 
because I get, I get revelation off them. God speaks through them. You know, so seek out those people. Don't, don't be a lone ranger. There's tremendous protection in His people. God sends people to walk beside us in destiny. Sometimes when we shut people out that God has placed in our lives, we are shutting Him out. Do not forsake the gathering. Just one more Scripture, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, so it's so important. You know, when you're going through times of trialling and testing and uncertainty and depression or disconnection, you know, come to your brother and your sister. Pray for one another. Confess your trespasses. You know, it's so important. And it says here, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Seek out His righteousness in your life. And when you pray, God will be there to answer it. Amen. So that's all from me. I hope I got somewhere around 10 minutes. (laughs) Can I just clarify, Pastor Linda, does that 10 minutes include reading scriptures? John's left me about three minutes. Thanks, mate. That's good. This is good. I'm just going to put my timer on. Yeah, I want to be the best out of all of us. Um, good morning. How are you? I think I'm more nervous to preach on this topic in 10 minutes than I normally am because I'm like, I've got to try and squeeze as much as I can into this. I want to talk about prayer this morning. So... Uh, I want to encourage you, so I think that Pastor Brian particularly gave us these, these topics because he really believes that this is the uh, focus and priority for us for the year. So ch- shifting our priorities, um, prayer, and uh, Pastor John is going to talk about presence. So I want to encourage you that God wants to take our prayer to another level this year. Uh, wants to take your prayer to another level this year. So what level is that? Um, I, th- I really believe it's where we're praying and engaging with what He wants more and more. So, so we can pray and ask God for things. We, we, you know, we can pray and, and about a lot of things and none of that's bad. Now that's wrong. But even in the Scripture that uh, John read earlier, uh, Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all the things that we need, you know, will be added to us. And often we can pray to God about the things that we need, but God already knows that we need those things. He wants to more and more align us with what He wants and bring us onto His page so that we're engaged uh, in what He wants. Um, Thank you, John. You stole... I use the word in inverted commas, stole some of my scriptures, which means I don't have to read them out, which gives me a bit more time. Um, so James, James 5, 16, I think you said, 
It says the, just the, I'm just going to use the second part, is the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. So, so that's, and then it goes on to talk about Elijah and how Elijah prayed and, and that the rain, there wouldn't be any rain and for three and a half years there wasn't any rain. It wasn't because Elijah had a wonderful idea, it was because he picked up what God wanted him to say, picked up what God wanted him to pray and began to release the Word out of his mouth. And uh, this is the same way God wants us to, to respond and be. So we need to understand in a whole new way that prayer is our tool to build with and our weapon to destroy. So it's a weapon to fight with, but it's a tool to build with. Um, so so in, I'm just going to turn to Jeremiah. So Jeremiah 1, uh, verse 9 uh, it says, Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So, so we're, we're called to, you know, God wants to put His Word in our mouth so that it's not just our words in our mouth. He wants, he wants us to have His words in our mouth and begin to release them into the atmosphere uh, in prayer and begin to have dominion over kingdoms, not, not over people. Uh, uh, the, the job of the church is to, to govern in the spiritual realm. So, so we're called to root out and to pull down to destroy and to throw down, but to build and to plant. And this is what God wants us to do. In Romans 8, verse 26, it says, We don't know what we should pray for, as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. This is why praying in the, in the Holy Spirit is so important, because often we've got so much going on in our minds, so much going on in our lives, uh, we can pray for so many different things. And again, I'll say none of those things are wrong. But what God's wanting to do is bring us to another level where we're beginning to tap into what is it that you want me to pray? What is it that you want me to release from my mouth? You know, when Elijah began to pray, he released the Word of God from his mouth. And what did he do? He changed the climate. We were hearing all about climate change. God's called the church to change the climate. And not just the, the natural climate, but, but the, the climate around you, the climate in your workplace, the climate in your school. You know, when we begin to pray God's Word from our lip, it begins to change everything and begins to change the, the whole world around us. Amen? So there's a difference between personal prayer and corporate prayer. And we need both. So I'm going to turn with uh, Isaiah 40, 31. It's a, it's a well-known Scripture to this, this church. We had a, back when we were in a different building years ago, we had a painting with this Scripture on it. And it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that word wait means to entwine yourself around to entwine yourself with God. So it's not, a, it's, it's not a passive thing, it's an active thing. 
So when we wait on God, when we entwine ourselves with God, we begin to pick up His heart. He begins to align us to what He's saying. You know, uh, when you're going through circumstances and things in your life, when we entwine ourselves with God, He begins to realign you back to His Word. He begins to realign you back onto purpose, back onto, onto the path. You know, it, it realigns, you know, when I entwine my life around Him, it, it realigns my life with where He wants me to be. So sometimes, you know, I can get, this wouldn't happen to you, but sometimes I can get silly ideas in my head. That was a joke, all right? You all get silly ideas, let me be frank. We can all get silly ideas in our head and we can just begin to veer off in a different direction. But when we begin to entwine ourselves around Him and His Word, it begins to realign us and bring us back onto the purpose and the path that He has for us. So in personal prayer, we're prepared by Him for Him to begin to be aligned with what He's saying and what He wants to do. But when it comes to corporate prayer, this is when things can begin to really shift and begin to really shake. You know, uh, the last point John had was about uh, prioritising his people. I know this, that when, when you can be facing stuff and you can feel like you're alone, but when you lock in with, with your, the, the people that God's uh, given to you and placed you with, things begin to break through. Breakthrough comes when we stand together. You know, we're never meant to be alone. We're never meant to face things alone. We're meant to be together. So, so in the same way, we're not meant to just pray alone. We're meant to come together and have corporate prayer. And Corey mentioned it this morning, Tuesday morning and Friday morning on Zoom at seven o'clock. Here, here in the stables at 9am on Sunday morning, it's awesome opportunities to come together and pray together. So, so uh, Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There are a lot of things to war against. So we got to do it together. And it says, it doesn't say, for I do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It says, for we do not flesh, uh, wrestle against flesh and blood. It's a we statement. And yes, there's always a personal, individual aspect to that. But when we come together, we're called to govern in the heavenlies over our city and our region. You know, the, the Bible says one can put to flight a thousand. In other words, one can, can begin to impact and influence um, things in nature in such a way that it impacts, you know, uh, the spiritual realm. But when two come together, it says one to put can, fly, can put to flight a thousand, but two ten thousand. So, so when we begin to stand together, when we begin to come together, our, our effectiveness is multiplied because, because we come together. So I really wanna encourage you in this season, in this time that we're in, is, is uh, let our priorities be aligned. You know, some of the ways that we can really do that is, is reading His Word. But another way we can really do that is coming together and praying together. When we, when, we, when we pray on our own is good, but when we come together and pray together, our, our priorities begin to align with where, he, where, he's, where He's going. You know, it's really good because when we pray together, you can think, oh man, I've got something completely different to what everyone else is praying. 
But when, but when you pray it, it's like it lines up with everything else that everyone's saying. Everybody d- brings something different to the, to, the, to the mix. But when we pray together, we're all heading in the same direction. You know, it's, it's such a powerful thing. So, so uh, I'll come back to, and I'll finish with this. 38 seconds left. <laughs> Pastor Lynn's telling me to relax. That could be dangerous. So James 5, 6, 5.16, John read it, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, or woman. And, and, and how do we get effective and, you know, that fervent, I love that word fervent because it means there's life in it. There's passion in it. It's not just, that's my time. It's not just, it's not just uh, reading rote. It's not just, um, you know, uh, uh, speaking, you know, um, incantations or just, just, just words. It's beginning to cap- capture something. It's beginning to capture the heart of God. Fervency means there's passion, there's vibrancy, there's life. Um, you know, the, and, and, we, and we get that by, it says, the f- effective you know, I oh, I will finish. I will finish with this. I looked up. I know what the word effective means, right? But I looked up the definition. And I thought, wow. I wouldn't have said. I wouldn't have put that in my definition. It says, adequate to accomplish a purpose, producing the intended or expected result. You know, sometimes we don't get the intended result, expected or intended result, when we pray. But when we lock in with God and we hear His voice and we begin to release what He's saying to us, His Word never returns to Him void, the Bible says. So when we release His Word, it's not my words on my lips, it's His Word on my lips. And it begins to shift things in the atmosphere. And when we do that together, it begins to shift things all around us. Amen? I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Julian. He's going to bring it all to a close. You're blessed this morning. Is that an arrogant thing to say? Come on, you're very, I've got a few laughers over here. Maybe it was a bad joke. I'm gonna talk on his presence. John, uh, one of his points was prioritising his presence. And, uh, and that's what I wanna, wanna talk on this morning briefly is his presence. And uh, so my first point, I'll jump right into it, is His presence changes everything. The presence of God changes everything. You know, and, and I just want you to imagine for a second, uh, the Israelites in the desert. Uh, most of us would know this story. They're, they're wandering around the desert, they're tired, they're weary. Uh, they're on their 40 year journey. I don't know if they realise they were on their 40 year journey, but in hindsight, we know they were on their 40 year journey. But just imagine them, you know, uh, on this journey, tired and weary uh, and looking up at the pillar of fire in the sky and, and thinking everything's gonna be all right, God's with us. You know, His presence changes everything. You know, in Matthew 14, there's an account of the disciples in the boat uh, being tossed, you know, in the, in the storm and, uh, and probably freaking out and thinking their lives are coming to an end and, and, and all... Uh, 
chaos is just going on around them. And then Jesus begins to walk toward them on the water. And He says, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. You know, His presence changes everything. You know, and there's story after story in the Word, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, in the fiery furnace, that's a time I would wanna know uh, God's presence is with me and someone else is standing with me, you know, in that scenario. You know, God's presence changes everything. Uh, in Psalm 23, 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, His presence changes everything. You know, when I was writing this down last night, I was just thinking uh, of a story, you know, from my life. I've got a, my best friend, one of my best friends. <laughs> sorry, no longer my best friend because the, these guys here are my best friends. <laughs> From my past, my teenage years, was a, a guy by the name of Big Scott. Uh, now, not the Big Scott we know here, but, uh, but, and he probably wasn't quite as big as this Big Scott, but to me, he was big. And uh, his presence in my life changed everything because I'm not that big and I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty sort of soft and docile type bloke. Uh, I was talking to my boys the other day about the one and only fight I ever had in high school. Uh, which was a disaster. Um, I still won, even though I got beat to a pulp, but it's another story for another day. But big Scott, so Scott was just this, to me was this mountain. And I've got a few stories like this, but there was one I remember being at the footy. We were at a Collingwood and Essendon game. Uh, I was probably 16 or 17, and I felt invincible around him. <laughs> you know where this story's going. And uh, anyway, I, th I can't remember who was winning, losing or whatever, but I got a little overexcited at a goal that Essendon kicked because I barrack for Essendon. And there was a guy that was getting extreme. So Essendon must have been winning because the guy in front of me was getting extremely frustrated and he was a Collingwood supporter. And at this goal, I stood up and I pointed in his face and said all sorts of things that I wouldn't say now. <laughs> Go Essendon! Beep, beep. A few of those sorts of things. Anyway... He turned around and stood up and I thought, oh, this is not good. And, uh, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was pretty uh, aggressive. And he got in the stance and then Big Scott stood up. And then he looked at both of us, mainly Scott, and uh, he turned around and sat down. His, not Scott's, God's presence changes everything. There's, I've got many more stories like that. I felt a little invincible around Scott, uh, not so much when he wasn't there. But His presence changes everything. The presence of God changes everything because it's like I have got that person on my side. Now, don't go doing stupid things, like I said, because I don't think God will back you up. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. You'll find out. <laughs> Give it a shot. But, but you know what I'm talking about. My point is His presence changes everything. You know, when we know He's there, it brings peace. You know, like John was saying. In that Scripture in Exodus, it brings rest. You know, so uh, His presence changes everything. Uh, number two, 
our lives should be lived to attract His presence. So just two quick things here. There's, there's the, the presence of God is like twofold, if I can put it that way. There's the, the omnipresence of God. God is omnipotent. Omnip, I can never say that word. Omnip, you know, for the scholars here. That's the one, omnipresent, omniscient. Is that the word? Yep, that's the one, I said it. Don't ask me to say it again. But He's always there. God is everywhere. Uh, God is here right now because the Scripture says where two or more are gathered together in my name, that He's there. So God's here. Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So God's here, His presence is here. He's always there, even when we're not aware of His presence. God is there. But there's also uh, something called the manifest presence of God. And, uh, and that's where God's manifest presence is His presence made manifest. Uh, the fact that He is with us is made clear and convincing. And this is the realm I wanna live in. Exodus 3, you know, Moses and, uh, uh, was at the burning bush and uh, God had been with Moses all along. God had been there. But at this point, God chose to manifest Himself in a different way. It was convincing. So they're the two types of presence. Just so you're aware, we're made, uh, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are not of our own, but a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, what are we letting in? What are we allowing into our lives? You know, we need to live a life that attracts the presence of God. You know, what are we listening to, watching, reading, all these different things? You know, the way we're living, all sorts of things can attract or even push away. Um, you know, you know, if I do something stupid, I can, uh, I can, the ones close to me can, can move away. Like if I'm being a fool, uh, luckily Scott didn't do that when I was being a fool. But if uh, Scott had have walked away because I was being a fool and being big headed because I had a big guy next to me, it could have been a very different story. You know, but we can attract the presence of God, but sometimes we can, it can be at bay, if that makes sense. We've got to watch what we're letting in. You know, this is the first place we need to win it in our lives. We were created in such a way that God can live on the inside of us. That's amazing. We were created in a way where God can live on the inside of us. And we wanna live our lives to attract His presence. Amen. The highest priority every day, start and finish is His presence. You know, we need to acknowledge His presence in our lives. Uh, we need to honour His presence. We need to honour God and honour His presence in our heart and in our lives. And we need to be continually inviting Him in, you know, to our hearts and lives and family and our church. This is our highest priority. And number three, my final point, we need to live our lives directed by His presence. So Exodus 33, verse 12 to 16. Uh, you can read that at another, stay, another day if you want, but I'll paraphrase. Uh, Moses, uh, actually, no, I won't, I'll read it. Exodus 33, 12 says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let uh, me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know 
you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And verse 14, he says, "My pres- uh, so this is God speaking, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses says, then, uh, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, uh, do not bring us up from here. So we need to live our lives directed by His presence. You know, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us. You know, if your presence does not go with us, don't, don't uh, open the way, don't send us. You know, Moses did not wanna move uh, without God's presence. You know, I can learn something from this. We can all learn something from this where we need to be directed by the presence of God. You know, and like John said, you know, when he was speaking, he talked about his presence and in his presence is rest. We read that in that scripture. There's grace. Uh, We're found. There's power in his presence. You know, we're set apart in his presence. And uh, the problem is that we can neglect the presence of God, sometimes almost too easily. You know, and I'm talking to myself here, not you just preaching to myself this morning, you're all okay. But uh, we can neglect the presence of God, you know, almost too easy because we get busy, because there's other stuff, because, you know, you get what I'm talking about. There's all these different things that can uh, get in the way of us continually, continually inviting the presence of God into our homes and into our lives. You know, sometimes, um, yeah, we just get too busy. Sometimes we're just lazy, but sometimes we're busy. There's family, there's sport, there's school, there's work, there's, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. But like John said, we've got to prioritise His presence. You know, the presence of God is just so a priority. You know, and when we neglect the presence of God, it actually sends a message, I think, to my kids, to our friends, to our family that, uh, his presence is not a priority. You know, we're gonna prioritise His presence. You know, even if it's as simple as before the kids get to bed, we begin to come around the Word or prayer and just begin to pray. We make it a priority. So that's a priority that builds in our kids' lives and those that are around us, even our husbands and wives. We don't wanna deprioritise His presence. You know, we learn a few things from the the message um, Pastor Brian spoke, I think it was in October, end of October, uh, the generational blessing of a well-ordered house. And and what you've heard from from us three today is is some of what came out of that and some of the points and the revelation that we've gotten out of that. We learn a few things. But something Pastor Brian said in that message was if there is something we want the world around us to know, it's that God's presence is in this place. You know, I just found that just so, it just grabbed my attention. You know, when people walk past this place, when people walk down that laneway, when people are in this building, when people even encounter you uh, as an individual or as a family or, or whatever, you know, down the street, we want them to encounter His presence because I really believe that His presence is the defining factor. You know, when the presence of God is set right in the house, it will attract. And just briefly, you know, I also believe the presence of God not only will attract uh, people, it'll attract the community because it's the defining factor, but it also protects. 
the presence of God protects. I know so many times uh, in my life where the, and even in church life where the, the presence of God has protected us um, because not everyone's got the greatest uh, um, intentions or that's probably not quite the right word, but motive. Not everyone's got the greatest motive and the presence of God is a, such a protection. Uh, because I know, you know, the, when the water level's high here, it's like a protection, you know, around this place and around the people. So I hope that makes sense. I won't go into that more, but that's just what I really feel. The presence is the defining factor. You know, we can have all the life and energy and, and relationship and, and excitement and all that sort of thing. And that is good. And I never wanna lose that from this place because I really believe there's some, there's some things that we are here. We're fun, I hope. I think we are. We're, we're energetic, we're relational. We love people, we care for people. But the defining factor has gotta be the presence of God because otherwise we're just a fun loving club. And I want the presence of God. You know, I want the presence of God here so that lives are changed, so that God, people can encounter God. You know, whenever they walk through here, whether they're sitting down on the, the, the couches down the back or they're up the front, right going into the presence of God, it doesn't matter if they begin to walk down that laneway, they're, they're experiencing the presence of God. Amen. So I just really love, we're done for the morning, but I just really love you to stand this morning. And I think it'd just be a good thing to um, just begin to worship. I think that's good, you two there. You guys go for it. If you wanna step out of the aisle, if you wanna come down the front, you feel free. But we just wanna, you know, really welcome the presence of God. Come down, you're welcome, more than welcome. We just wanna take this time just to really welcome Him. He's already here, but let's just welcome Him in just such another way, amen. Amen. Father, I just thank You for what You're doing in this place. Father, even what You're doing today, Father. God, I thank You that this, this Word, Father, of a well-ordered house, and I know we're gonna hear more and more and more about it, you know, this year. Because never before have we needed You, Father, more than we do now. The world is a crazy place and it seems to be going crazier and crazier. But in Your presence, Father, I know we'll find rest and we'll find peace. And in His presence is power and there's power to change every heart, every life. 